Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to our guest today, Susan Klein Holman. She is an amazing woman, mother of three, yoga teacher, interior designer, and entrepreneur. She is here to talk to us about spiritual emergence and spiritual emergencies and the work that she's doing now to help women integrate these spiritual experiences or spiritual emergencies that arise from time to time in her personal story around her experience with a spiritual emergence that quickly became a spiritual emergency. But before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that this is the last week to join B-School and join B-School with me. What is B-School? B-School is the premier business building program. It's a program that I went through myself and I love it so much. I think it's just honestly the best program out there. I think it works so well when you absorb the content of B-School and then you also have the personal guidance of a coach and the support of a group. So I would love it if you would come into B-School and join me this summer. We've set aside time for all of August to focus and do a deep dive on you and your business and what your dreams are. What would your ideal day look like? What is the business that you want to create? Who are the ideal people that you want to serve and who are looking for your service? It's an incredible, incredible program where you are going to discover how to grow your email list. You're going to connect with some of the top influencers in your industry. Uh, You're going to learn an incredibly effective system to come up with over 30 pieces of content in less than an hour. You're going to create an aligned business strategy with you and your personality and with your desires and dreams so that you know exactly where to focus your time and energy without burning out so you don't feel like you're running in circles anymore. You're going to learn how to optimize your website, design sales pages, and choose the right technology to support your business. I cannot say enough about B-School and that's why I'm always talking about it and emailing about it because I just feel like it helped me so much and I really, really want to serve you and support you in having it help you as well. And that's why I also offer so many incredible bonuses, including a mastermind group call each week so that we can go over the content. We can also uh, do some coaching around things that you're working on, maybe areas that you're struggling with. You also get a six-month access to my online inner circle which is an incredible way to stay connected it's mind body business inner circle so we're going to start focusing on the philosophy and cultivating a deeper experience of yoga in your life as well as pranayama and chanting and also it's going to become a place for yoga teachers and healers and coaches to connect and not only um, help to connect more deeply to themselves but connect with each other and support each other in teaching and in developing their 
business, their spiritually aligned business as spiritual entrepreneurs. So combining our practice of yoga with also how we're living our lives, how we're making an income, how we're feeding our families. Uh, it's, it's an incredible place and I'm so excited about the upcoming uh, changes and uh, different offerings that I'm hosting inside my inner circle for my inner circle members only. So you'll get to become a part of that as well. All my bonuses come with no extra cost. When you join B-School through me, you get all of these bonuses for free added on. I am an affiliate with Marie Forleo, so I do get a little commission on you joining the program, and that's why I give all these incredible bonuses and really show up to support you in your business. You also get a coach in your pocket, so you get to come into our WhatsApp group and get all of your questions answered. Uh, you can share copy, you can talk about what's coming up for you, you can show us your website and get feedback. So it's a really amazing way to just connect with a group of people who are also focused on creating a business they love and a life that they're passionate about. You're also going to get a ticket to my workshop, How to Get More Clients Without Sounding Salesy, and also a ticket to my Spirit-Centered Self-Care Retreat, as well as another workshop, my Purpose Planning and Breathwork Workshop. So you're going to go deeper with this additional support coming from my end. Also, there'll be opportunity to get 20-minute one-on-one laser coaching sessions with me so you can immediately get that feedback um, and answer all those strategic tech questions like what website should my platform be on? Um, how do I link up Zoom and do a Facebook Live? How do I create a membership or an online course? Um, I have all of the answers and if I don't have the answers, I am connected to people who do have the answers. So we're going to get you on the right track. So I hope that you'll join me. This is my sole focus for all of August, and I hope that it will be your focus too. Summer's a great time to dive into really, really recentering, refocusing on what you want to create for the second half of the year. So I hope that you come into B-School. This is honestly the last week to join. Um, it was the start of everything for me. And I'm just so grateful for this program, for this course, for Marie and all of her coaching. And also for the people that I met through this course, through this program in my own small mastermind group that I was a part of three years ago. I still work with some of the women I met in the mastermind I was a part of and am connected to them. So I hope that you join. Marie also has 12 other incredible bonuses. She has a mini program called How to Start the Right Business. So if you just have an idea or a passion or a thought about, should I start this business? I kind of want to work for myself. This is a great course. It's a whole little course you can take with in. It's an extra added bonus course as well as the follow-through formula, which is a great course on time management and how to really execute your ideas. 
And then there are other bonuses as well, um, bonuses around tech, WordPress, Squarespace, Shopify, some smart marketing for product-based businesses. If you have a product that you want to sell, there's a bonus all about opt-ins. So those are how to draw people to come onto your email list, as well as strategies um, to help you connect with influencers in your area. There's some SEO basics, how to optimize your website for search, uh, how to get fantastic testimonials, five money mistakes that keep entrepreneurs from creating wealth, tactical tips for speaking in public, creating videos, media, interview, and more. There's so many amazing bonuses in here, even one about how to prevent you from burning out, how to re-energize and refocus when you're feeling absolutely spent. So we're talking about mind, body, and business and how to do it all and show up for ourselves as well as the fam our families and the people we love, and also how to really serve in a way that's impactful, that is creating a business and sales as a service and a generosity-based business, a business that's spiritually aligned, that's aligned also with you and your heart and what you want for your life. Um, it's going to be an incredible month. So just take the leap if it's something that's on your heart. Uh, I can't say enough about why I think B-School is incredible, and I'm here to support you in any way. If you have some questions, just head on over to my website. You can hop on a call with me. Um, we will get on a 15-minute consult call, and I can answer any questions that you might have, any fears that might be coming up for you. It's very normal to have some fears before you jump into something new and exciting and big and different and so I'm happy to connect with you over the phone and just answer any questions that you might have so you can find that information on my website harmonyslater.com you will find a little link to the page there on my homepage. so Susan also joined B-School a couple years back. So we briefly mentioned it at the end of this podcast. Um, I think you'll really enjoy listening to her experience too and how it helped her. She runs two businesses, a yoga school as well as an interior design uh, business and is starting her own coaching business as well. So lots there. She's really focusing now on helping midlife women get their energy back and start to love their life. She's opening up a new program called Awakened. Uh, it's for women in perimenopause or in menopause who just are experiencing low energy, low mood, overwhelm, anxiety, and burnout, and who want to reconnect to that deeper sense of joy and energy and creativity again. So I think you're going to really love listening to Susan and all of her experiences uh, through life, but uh, particularly this spiritual awakening that she had that um, led her on this path and led her in a very unique direction where she's inspired to help uh, serve and support others who are also um, going through this kind of spiritual awakening. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony. I'm here with Russell Case. Harmony. 
Oh, hi. We have a new sponsor for the show this no, week. No, we don't. We do. It's so exciting. We have so many Scandinavian listeners, as you know, in, uh-huh. in uh, Sweden, especially. And, and Norway. Possibly some Norwegians. I think so. Well, Vossavangen from Norway approached us about sponsoring the show this week. What is that? It's a Norwegian <laughs> farmhouse ale. It's a traditional beer <laughs> oh uh, that's been brewed for centuries. <laughs> Um, it has a kind of a smoky character. Um, it's 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 a, a, a kind of brewing called I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but maybe our guest today could help me. Vosal, yeah, Vosal. It's made with like an unsmoked malt and mainly flavored with juniper and kvek. I don't know which where is you find these uh, which is a kind of yeast. <laughs> and they sent us twenty five dollars. Twenty. I want to see that twenty five dollars. I will. Man. I will show you the twenty five dollars <laughs> after the show is over. Well, our guest today speaks Norwegian. Really? Yeah, but That's she is so not helpful. Norwegian. How do you pronounce Vossal <laughs> or Kvek? Do you know how to pronounce yeast in Norwegian? Yeah, um, Kvek. Kvek. How is it? Yeah, I think it's Kvek. Oh, uh, how K- is it spelled? K V E I K Kvek. It's traditional yeast. Yeah, it would be kvek. Kvek. Kvek, yeah. <laughs> well, when we all learned something today. When you're, when you're brewing a malt ale, remember to always use kvek. kvek. <laughs> <laughs> For your well, Vasavangan needs. Our beautiful guest oh. today, who looks like an angel. <laughs> Susan Klein Holman. Holman. She speaks Norwegian, lives in Norway. But you are a Midwesterner like are us. You, are you one of these yeah. Midwestern Scandinavians? Yeah, yeah actually, my kind great of. grandfather immigrated from Norway in the late 1800s. Yeah, there there was a famine in Norway. Yeah. in the skin Scandinavia country. My my great grandfather also also uh, emigrated from Sweden. He is a Svenska. He was. Uh, the Lund people during the famine. During the famine, oh. yeah. And yeah. then um, it's a long story, but their progeny married into like this Jewish family, and it's all messed up now. <laughs> okay. So your grandfather was Norwegian, and then you went back to Norway. Yeah, I went back to Norway when I was finished with graduate school in two thousand four. Mm. Wow, full circle. Yeah, yeah full studying circle. architecture. Full circle. Yes, interior architecture. Oh. Mm. Oh. Yes, I love your titles. You are a interior architect. Yes. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> I feel like you're going to rearrange me interiorly, spiritually mm. <laughs> as Ooh, well. I like and, that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this can go many directions. The interior architect outside as well as inside. And it also says <laughs> you're a spiritual emergence coach. Yeah, and it made me wonder immediately if you knew um, the lady Emma. that came on the show, Dr. Emma Brogdon. Yes, and I and then it, you did. It said later on in your bio that you did know uh, Dr. Brogdon. Yes, I know her. She has. I've taken oh. courses with her, and I've also um, worked with her personally through. Yeah, as a you know, I've I've had class uh, counseling with her. Uh, she's a psychologist mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, she's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, beautiful. 
Well, we'll get into this. I would like to. Yeah. I've been thinking very seriously about taking her spiritual emergence coaching program. Really? Are you I going have. to? I'm thinking very seriously about it. You should do it. it. I just feel like we have a lot on our plates at the moment. But I do I do think of, like I would really like to do a course. Yeah, spend a less, little less time in space, a little more time on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> how long is the course? <sighs> uh, well, there's a theory part and a practicum part. Mm-hmm. Um, the practicum is in person and the theory is online. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Was it like all told like 10 years? No. no. Like six, six months? <laughs> no. It wasn't that long because it's not coaching one-on-one. It's coaching peer support. Mm-hmm. So, um so it went through the basics of what a spiritual emergence is and a spiritual emergency is and the different types of experiences a person can have. Um, and then also a practicum in, that was in London actually last September I was there. Um, it was amazing mm. for a weekend. It was an intensive. Yeah, it was great. Beautiful. Mm. Okay. So for our listeners, what is the difference is there a difference between a spiritual emergence and a spiritual emergency? Yeah, well, a spiritual emergence is um, is a spiritual feeling like awakening. or an awakening. Yeah, I guess you could call it an awakening. And, you know, it can happen spontaneously or it can happen during spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a spiritual emergency is... Um, when through spiritual practices, uh, a person becomes disoriented and confused, mm-hmm. um, and it becomes more of a crisis than, um, than yeah, a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. <laughs> right, like spiritual awakening gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always used to say that to Jedaya about uh, the difference between us uh, super or. The difference between normal people and superheroes is that normal people were just scientists and superheroes were always like humans that were doing a science experiment that went wrong. Yeah. (laughs) And then they became super people. Like the Fantastic Four. It's always science experiments gone wrong. Sort the of Hulk. like the spiritual emergence they were all gone wrong st- turns into a spiritual emergency. Yeah. I think it, you had a spiritual emergency. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And is that what brought you to Emma? Exactly. Yeah. Because oh. I was trying to integrate it, um, trying yeah. to figure out uh, what actually happened. Um, um, yeah. It's. It's, um, I can imagine it's very disorienting. It's very disorienting, and it's also life-transforming. Um, so if, if a person has the right kind of support um, around them and is in a safe place, then it can, there, it can be easier to integrate. Um, when it happened to me, I wasn't in a safe place, and I didn't have the right kind of support around me. And so... Um, I I did a lot of reading and study about this area mm-hmm. um, within spirituality. And because, you know, I've been practicing yoga for a long period of time and 
uh, was at a training where there was a lot of chanting and I wasn't doing so much chanting before. Uh, and this kind of led me to feel um, a bit out of myself, like open. And it was quite nice. It was quite nice, actually. Um, the moments that I was in this space, um, but because I wasn't in a safe place, it uh, yeah. it brought up some other things which um, yeah. were quite traumatizing. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting. I think these practices that we engage in as yoga practitioners, they have real um, power to them. And, you know, maybe in sort of more ancient times, um, you know, people would say they're mystical powers or, you know, we use the word spiritual also to describe sort of the undescribable sometimes, right? That relating to things that are ineffable or that we can't quite explain, but have a certain quality or a certain feeling to them. Um, but even like they can be also explained scientifically, like, you know, the repetition of a certain vibration or pattern as far as like chanting goes would change your brain waves, would, um, you know, activate your vagus nerve would create like an actual, this, this experience potentially, potentially, maybe not in everyone, but potentially could like really move you into, what would you say, Russell? Like, like more of like a, maybe even between alpha and theta, like brainwave, like between oh, sort of like a, yeah, you're looking for like relaxation a, and dreaming kind of place you're looking almost. For a theta or a gamma wave yeah. reaction where you kind of you feel like you understand more than um you, you you feel suddenly like you have a kind of more unified understanding of reality. Yeah, so it's like transcendental. I think transcendental is a great word for it, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good word for it. Well, well maybe we could set this up. You mentioned chanting, and mm -hmm. I just kind of want to start at the beginning in a kind of more linear way. <laughs> he loves <Yeah>. linear. <laughs> um, you you grew up, I think, in a home filled with with music and uh, church going folk, and I wonder if you could describe that because that seems to that starting there in the Midwest and with very nice parents. <laughs> uh, unlike mine, if you're listening, and then kind of that kind of all, I think that your story is super interesting, and it goes to this event in a kind of almost a straight line, really. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I never thought about it as a straight line, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I I was raised Catholic, Roman Catholic. I grew up uh, moving around a lot, and um, but my my mother, you know, in the Midwest, as you know, there's, um, well, as you know, or you may not know, but where I came from, um, there was in these small communities in North Dakota, like people that went to the Lutheran church and people that went to the Catholic church. Um, right. yeah. And so in my parents' generation, a Catholic and a Lutheran could not get married. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And For so obvious then, reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and so my mother, who was raised Lutheran, she, when she met my dad in um, college um, at, in a marching band drumming, 
um, she fell in love and in order, you know, she was highly persuaded to um, become Catholic. And yeah, convert, which is convert. sort of weird when you're already Christian. <laughs> right? I know. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> we so were she, Lutheran, by the way. You were? Yeah, yeah, Swedish Lutheran. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. So she... Did she convert. <laughs> she converted, yeah. And she yeah. put all... She was very dedicated and, you know... Um, we went to Catholic school and she became a mm -hmm. Catholic t uh, teacher. She was a teacher. Uh, she mm -hmm. worked in the Catholic school system. And I went to church like mass. It was called mass. I went to mm -hmm. mass from, you know, every morning before school because I went to a Catholic school uh, for half an hour. And then we went to mass on Sunday. Yeah. And that was just normal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was... Um, and it was lovely. I liked, I liked a lot of aspects of it. I didn't know anything different until I became older, but I liked like the sign of, I liked peace be with you, the shaking of the hand. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. I, I also really liked um, the singing, the community and the singing mm. um, together. And I liked the rituals in the in yeah. Catholicism. I, I like, I like them. And I think that's one of the things that I really like about yoga too, is the rituals in yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, um, and as I think I wrote this in my bio, but there was one time when I was, I think I was in second grade, we had, um, this, this, um, I can't remember what it's called now, but that is the ointing ointing of the sick it's like a ritual oh, or yeah. like, a like the anointing of the sick or something and you bring yeah. the sick people up and they bless them and put the holy water on them or the oil or exactly yeah and yeah. i had i went up because i had a really stiff neck and like i i couldn't i don't know why it was stiff but i decided that i was going to go up and then the priest took these candles you know and crossed yeah. them around my neck and then blessed me and yeah. it was such a uh, interesting experience because the next day and maybe it's you know i you can read so much into it if you want to but i didn't have a stick, stiff neck anymore and it was okay. mm -hmm. it was um for me when i look back at it now as an adult and thinking about like experiences that are undescribable or out of the ordinary or I would consider that as one of those experiences. And at the time I didn't really think anything of it, but it's, I just think it's interesting to look yeah, back at those things. I think those things also inform like the other things we get interested in too, when you have an experience like that, even if you're not thinking about it so much, but like it gives you a, a deep belief or a deep sense of that there's maybe like some mystical energy or power in the universe that yeah. you got connected to in a way, right? Yeah, definitely. And more and more um, with working, like um, doing the spiritual emergence coach uh, training and um, Emma talked a bit about spiritism, which is this, mm -hmm. these psychiatric wards in Brazil where they don't use right. medication and they use hands-on healing. And I, I, I find it so fascinating. And so I'm curious about it and, um, and it, people are, are healed, like from mental health problems, like schizophrenia and 
it's interesting. I find it really mm. fascinating. Yeah. I've seen that kind of work within the transpersonal um, circles as well, where long-term chronic pain can be healed through um, uh, self-talk, you know, positive self-talk. And it's, 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 I, I, it happened to me. So it's, it's okay. entirely convincing. Yeah. What happened? Uh, I, can I had, you can, you can, I, it's all about you though. And my <laughs> listeners have had enough of me. Um, the, I had a uh, piriformis syndrome from, um, which was a sciatic symptom from a couple of, of herniated discs. And I was kind of struggling and, uh, I just went to a, a workshop at Emma's, uh, Dr. Brogdon's school, um, Sophia University, which was formerly ITP, the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology in the South Bay. Mm-hmm. And the founder there, I forget his name off the top of my head, um, uh, but the founder there was running a workshop on chronic pain, alleviating it with positive self-imaging. And I was just sitting in the chair, you know, uh, I, I was there kind of just as, just as a friendly, as a friend, I was just like, yeah, I'll just, I'll come, you know, whatever. And I had this this pain uh, in in my piriformis in the hip socket that, and they asked us to describe it in your mind. And I said, "Oh well, yeah, I've had this for a year. It feels like a Rottweiler chewing on my ass. Mm. That's how it feels." Yeah. I said, "Okay, so now imagine what you would do." to alleviate that. So if you had described it as shattered glass, imagine, imagine the glass melting, you know, like that kind of thing. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So incidentally, I had kind of gone into a kind of soft- uh, Like trance state, like a little self-hypnosis. How did, how did, I had put myself <laughs> in a, I can tell the story, but I went into a self-hypnotic <laughs> state by just staring at a single point concentrating on that point as we're trained to in yoga mm-hmm. and um, concentrating on the, on the feeling. And then in that self hypnotic hypnosis, I just started petting the head of the Rottweiler and the piriformis all at once unlocked. And there was a thunk in my hip that I could physically feel thunk, and it released. Wow. wow. And I just sat there like, this is interesting. And I didn't say anything about it and talk about it. I just like, I don't know what just happened, but something big happened. And walked out, got in the car, drove home. And I was just kind of like waiting for the pain to happen because it sitting in a chair, you know, made it worse because of the, the herniation. Mm-hmm. And then I was, it never came back. Wow. You know, it's it's been 12 years. Mm. The like, mind-body connection. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking about what – I was thinking about that in, in particular about what happened to you with your priest. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing something that's um, extraordinary, out of, the, out, of, out of the ordinary. You're walking up to the front of the, the church as a second grader. And he's, you know, doing this public thing to you that's extraordinary, mm-hmm. and your body responded to the phenomena, the phenomenal phenomenological experience, mm-hmm. and and that's that's amazing. 
It is. I think so too. And so how do you go from being a kind of (laughs) devout Catholic a nice girl to being a kind of more demonic yoga star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, let's see how, I guess when I, you know, moved, to move, it was right around, I guess I was 16, you know, you know, when you're, I was, when I was a teenager, right. There's this, um, I don't know if I should say this, but hopefully my mom and dad won't be listening. But, <laughs> but about it's it's common and normal to want yeah. to explore sexuality, right? And yeah. so, within, your parents aren't going to want to know about this. No. <laughs> <laughs> Trigger warning for uh, Susan's parents. For Susan's yeah. parents. <laughs> It's it's the whole the you know don't have sex before you're married if you do you're a sinner you're gonna go to hell that whole thing yeah. it had a huge like it had a huge psychological impact on me mm. and um which which I, I don't think that's exactly what it means I I mean I I think that people I think that people interpret things the way that they want to to become moralistic i don't really think that's what it what it's all about yeah yeah mm-hmm. but but the way that, that i i just started to see things like you know um with homosexuality and i have you know family members who are homosexuals and and you know the the closed-mindedness and tradition this focus on this traditional family and you know, women's rights, women's, women can't be priests. Like why, yeah. you know, um, yeah. also, <laughs> also like, you know, we, the women's choice over their own bodies, like w- yeah. abortion, you know, why, you, you know, it's just, we should be able to be our own agent, have own personal agency mm-hmm. and not be moralized for living our lives. You know, I don't think that that's what, I don't think that that's what life is all about. I think it's about finding acceptance and mm-hmm. finding acceptance within oneself and finding acceptance and being accepting to others. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah. I just, and I also, at that point in time, when I graduated from high school, I moved, it was a small community and I moved and went to university and my, you know, things started opening up for me in university. Like, um, women's spirituality, feminism, um, mm-hmm. uh, meditation. I mean, I went to a meditation retreat. I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I was super curious. Yeah. <laughs> it was a silent retreat for four days. And I was 21 and yeah. um, I had never been silent for that long. And now, no, what kind of meditation was it? It was Vipassana. It was right? the Vipassana, like standing yeah. meditation, walking meditation, yeah. eating meditation, um, sitting meditation. And then we could talk when we had a meeting with uh, the person who was leading it. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, the and then the teacher. Yeah. 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 And we then could talk about our experience. And I was so young at the time, I didn't really understand, like we talked about the experience in pairs. So my, uh, another woman and I went into this room and to talk to the teacher and 
and this this teacher was a bit was older than me she was an experienced woman and I was like a young woman and she was talking about things that I just I, I couldn't understand you know like yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, demons and things and and it but but now it's I I can I can see more about she was talking about her inner demons you know but at that right. time I was taking yeah. everything so literal I I didn't oh. understand you know <laughs> Wow. You're like, what? You're possessed? <laughs> You're like, oh dear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we I learned about exorcism. I learned about inner demons in the Midwest. Yeah, I know about this. Yeah. You know about them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Uh, yeah. Did, it was we, did we gloss over the, the teenage sex bit? Did we do that? Did we just kind of moved right but on, yeah, right but past that it? got her questioning. We all understand. We we've all been we, there, I we think, in the, the Midwest trigger, growing we up. We put the trigger warning out there, but then we didn't actually get we didn't actually pull the trigger. We didn't pull the trigger, yeah. All right. <laughs> but yeah, mm. no, I think that's so interesting. So did you enjoy the meditation retreat? Like, what, how did you come out of that? There were parts of it that I really enjoyed. Um, <laughs> but it was really challenging to not talk. Like, I remember, but I stayed with it. And I, you know, I, I wanted, I was curious. And I wanted to yeah. see what it was all about. But I remember afterwards sitting in the car. And I, I turned the radio on as high as I could. And I just started, like, singing as loud as I could just because I wasn't used to hearing my own voice you know it was like so interesting you know yeah. and I I've been um curious about these longer vipassanas because since that I hadn't really done much meditation until recently yeah. um but I, I mean in like years ago I was thinking oh what I was talking to a friend who's a yoga teacher who does the vipassana Mm. quite frequently and I was thinking well I wonder what that I'm curious as to what that's about but maybe that will come for me at some time maybe yeah when, when the kids are a little older yeah yeah, yeah I have three just, of them I know you've got to wait a little yeah it's just simply the best vacation you'll ever have is that as long yeah as long as you I can sit comfortably yeah. you know and you're like your hips are are solid and your back is solid from your asana practice yeah it's so gorgeous you just you never you it takes years like you you de-age you wow. come out of it like you've you've given yourself another five years of yeah, life people call it like the vipassana glow it's so oh, wow yeah like because you, it's when like you're a on vacation stressing though it's like really yeah a complete distressing if you, in the sense that you're not feeding your senses with any right. kind of stimulus if, even if you go mm -hmm. to if you go to maui for vacation you're going to come back stressed out or looking mm -hmm. older and anyway. you're going to be more stressed <laughs> than when you entered and if you go into vipassana that's not going to happen there the, there is so little stressors that you really do decompress in a way that we don't we don't really understand like what a vacation's for in our mm -hmm. culture you know, yeah. staycations are probably the best but if you have three kids that's not a that's not a vacation either <laughs> no <laughs> <sighs> yeah i'll have to try it yeah. sometime yeah, i'd like to enjoy it, I, I think, think i would really enjoy it's, it it's your jam yeah totally <laughs> 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 yeah 
So then you're you're in university. <laughs> you're experimenting with different types of spiritual practices. All kinds of stuff and... she's experimenting with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what was your degree in before you did your master's in inner architecture? Yeah, <laughs> I like that harmony. Um, I double majored in psychology and Norwegian studies. Uh, oh, that's yeah. right. Okay, amazing. Yeah, yeah. In, in, Deco- in North Dakota. Yeah, at the University of North Dakota. It's one of the few universities that has a Norwegian studies major. That's so <clears> interesting <throat> that yeah. that was even like something that was drawing well, you. A lot even of Norwegians there. Then, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, but still. <laughs> She could have chose anything. (laughs) Yeah, I could have. And actually, it was my friend who had just come back from a study, a summer study in Norway that um, where she was learning the language. And then she said, Susan, you know, it would be great if you started studying Norwegian with me. And I I, and at that time, I was like, I was also (laughs) sure. Why not? But I was um, at a period of time where my grandfather um, got really ill, my mom's dad. And he only spoke Norwegian until he was nine years old. And he oh, starts, wow. he learned English when he was, you know, nine. And, um, and so the Norwegian culture and language growing up for me on my mom's side has always been really important and celebrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and like lutefisk, like very traditional Amer- Norwegian. People don't really eat lutefisk. We don't eat lutefisk here for um Christmas dinner, but in the United States, when I was a child, that's what my grandfather and my grandmother wanted to eat for Christmas dinner. You said Ludovics? Lutefisk. 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 I don't think that's what she said. Yeah. Lutefisk. Lutefisk. And when you're having Lutefisk, make sure to crack open an ice cold Vasavangan beer. Vasavangan beer is the uh, beer of choice in Norway and can be for your Norwegian special Christmas meals dinner. as well. Now, back to the show. What, what is that for those of us who have no idea? Ludifisk. Well, it's a way, um, it's cod, and it, it's a okay. way that cod, cod was preserved. Um, it was soaked in loot and dried. Loot. Lutefisk. Is loot like a salt? Loot. It is, what is it? It is, um, it's, it's a, con- it's like a, pers- it's a, it is a salty, like, um, soapy. I don't know. I would have to look it up. I can't remember exactly what it is. Yeah. No, it's kind of toxic, actually. Oh. My grandmother often fed me soap <laughs> as a that child. Way anyway. It was the Swedish one, so it makes sense. Oh to yeah. Me. yeah, yeah. You know, so it's what like it maybe like sense. some kind of fermentation process, a little bit. Yeah. It cleans the inside of the mouth of uh, demonic influence, <laughs> is what she told me. That's so interesting. It preserves yeah. the fish because uh, okay. you know, in the years ago, yeah. they had to preserve it, and it, yeah, it was um, a delicacy. Well, now it's a delicacy in Norway. People, right? Yeah, people go and eat it at fancy restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. It is. I just learned something totally <laughs> brand new today. 
<laughs> All right. So back to university and the, and you're having and psychology, you, which is an interesting also because that's also what you're currently kind of interested in pursuing is a, as well. There's a straight yeah. line for her. There is. <laughs> and are you are you having more um, spiritual emergence um, situations or Kundalini experiences? Are there more things kind of happening? Um very seldom like any type of kundalini experience no but um are you meaning like as growing up or i mean what i'm referring to is when you went to your first ashtanga yoga class and (laughs) your husband said you're a different person now yeah yeah well he said he's you know talking about coming out of a vipassana after one yoga practice in ashtanga yoga I felt like a different person. I felt, I felt new. I felt like I was on vacation just for that hour and a half. Yeah. And I came home and he was like, oh, where were you? And I said, I was at a yoga class. And he's like, wow, you look like, a, you look so energy, like fresh, like, like a fresh. Mm. Yeah. He new, could see it on you. New person. Amazing. Yeah, he could new see person. it on me. Yeah. yeah. And I could wow. feel it in me. I just felt so open in my joints and my body it was yeah it was amazing that was in graduate school and he's norwegian yeah he's norwegian and and did you were you in oregon when you met or did you meet in in north dakota we met in north dakota oh you did and then you Mm -hmm. moved out to oregon together yeah oh wow that's nice Mm of him you guys have been together a long time then we've been together a long time since 1995 Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. How old are you? I told you she looks like she looks like about twenty-three is where I'm gonna place her. What were you born in nineteen seventy-five? Or something like crazy like that? Seventy-four. You're older than me. And you look twenty. That's all the meditation I'm and the, use, the spiritual. I'm sorry. I'm going to use some salty language. Emergence. There's a trigger warning, but that's fucked up. I don't know what's the going spiritual on emergence over there. That but yes. stay out if you're at home. All the Ashtanga st- yoga practice. Moving to Norway and staying out of the sun eight months of the year is probably helpful. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe a little bit of that too. Yeah, maybe. It's staying out of the sun for sure. And the fresh air. You live in the oh, countryside, right, in Norway? I live outside of a, com- a smaller community uh, in like a suburb, which is near the ocean. And it, yeah, around like we have a nature trail in our backyard. It's But it's a neighborhood. Yeah. We yeah. live in an Arctic desert. <laughs> the tundra. I know yes. what that's like. <laughs> yeah. I've lived yes, you too. do. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, you know it's like? North Dakota is, is balmy. It's so warm. <laughs> it is so warm down there. You know, I visited. To, uh, I was like, man, take my jacket off. It's very similar. In January, flying from Calgary. I'm like, this is. Are you sure it was, it was North Dakota? <laughs> I think yeah, it's a similar taught, weather to here. I have taught yoga to school teachers in North Dakota, and it was so pleasant. You're mm. so silly. Mm. Now, there's times, though. There's time. It just depends on the weather pattern. Sometimes yeah. we are warmer than, like, Chicago. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So it just depends on Chicago. That Arctic which front. Way, yes. Which way the wind mm. blows. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and how many trees you have around you. That's right. <laughs> and if you're near the lake or I used not. Used to dream. <laughs> yeah. <about> right. <laughs> So you start taking yoga in university and then what happens when you move back to, or I mean, move to for the first time, Norway, you get your master's in interior design. I heard that was like a crisis moving to Norway. (laughs) (laughs) It was challenging. Yeah. Removing cultures is challenging, uprooting and um, yeah, it kind of. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, did, you I, have, I a, did you have kids when you moved or was no, it just the two of you? It was just the okay. two of us. Um, and, you know, I had been to Norway many times as a tourist and visitor, but mm-hmm. you don't get the inside of the culture. I mean, it's a lovely culture. Don't get me wrong. But um, there are differences for sure with American yeah. culture and Norwegian culture that you really don't experience when you're just there for a short period of time and you know you're going to be leaving in two or three weeks. You know, yeah, it's interesting. I made a note about this on your on your bio. I was thinking about the the differences between uh, between us as well as commonalities, which is I think you know how we make the podcast is kind of commenting on these. Um, and I and we moved constantly. We moved every six months to a year. Oh wow! And for me, you know, it was constantly the I was constantly the foreigner in a strange land, even like moving from from one small town in Illinois to another, you know, they treat you like you're demonic, a demonic foreigner. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so going to a place like Korea or India or England, you know, I was, I'm used to being the foreigner and I'm used to experiencing, uh, uh, what do they call that? Cultural, um, uh, culture shock. Mm -hmm. Or at least feeling like an outsider, maybe. It's con- I, I, I am the outsider, and mm. in it, that's how I define myself. So, so for, going to Norway for you, you it must be kind of shocking because you kind of think, well, I'm, I'm going to my homeland, I'm going home, but then you're confronted with, you know, the the this enormous difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the you know it was it, it's just you know the small things in the beginning when you move to another culture the, uh, and learn the language. Even though I had a, a, a major in Norwegian language, I, I could understand it and I could read it and I could listen to it, but then being part of a conversation and speaking it and being part of like a conversation is, was challenging because it took a long, long time and before I could even uh, say what I wanted to say before the topic was moved on to another topic, you know, because, mm-hmm. and also I was kind of hard on myself. I wanted to be, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be, I wanted to speak Norwegian like a Norwegian. And I wanted to, I really wanted to just fit in and, mm-hmm. and that didn't serve me very well. So uh, there were a couple of times where I just decided that, you know what, I'm not Norwegian. I'm, yeah, it's part of my bloodline and history and family heritage, but I'm American living in Norway. <laughs> and that's <Right>. okay. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Take some of the pressure off a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's such a fascinating point because it's really the thing that I struggle with is the, the innate desire to, to be a chameleon mm-hmm. in a new place so that I don't stick out and get hit. Mm-hmm. 
but the but that's but really just being yourself is so is so much more um freeing, a- freeing or authentic but I'm in, I'm in, I'm in constant conflict because I, I, I hear it in every conversation. I just like, Oh, I'm just, I'm now trying, I'm just trying to sound like the person I'm with and it's, it's not me, but then who, you know, who are we? That's an interesting conversation topic. <laughs> there is no you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really comes down to identity and, and, you know, having, you know, having a real, a relationship to the other or the so what do you do when you're trying to discover your identity and who you actually are and what you actually are in a spiritually emergent situation mm, wow <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one you know what really was healing for me was um uh, grounding types of um activity like walking barefoot in the grass Mm. um also uh listening to like the the healing arts like music um visual arts painting writing Mm. um just writing with free you know free thought just writing um Mm -hmm. drawing um listening to music that i hadn't listened to for a long period of time uh, like you know, Lala, no, wait, um, Lilith, the Lilith Fair. Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with Sarah McLaughlin, yeah. our Canadian hero. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the, I picked up, started listening to music, like female voices yeah. that were mm. really empowering and uh, that brought me to a really, you know, a place in my life where, where I had a lot of memories and good memories. Mm. And, um, mm-hmm. And, and I think music brings us to different places in our lives and can be really healing. Um, yeah. And reading a lot. It's so, interesting. Um, like this idea, because I think this can happen. I mean, we're, we're kind of focusing on this spiritually emergent um, awakening or like a Kundalini waking yeah. or spiritual experience. But I think this can also happen um, for people, like anytime there's a loss of mm. identity or history or like a break, you know, like you becoming get, a mom. Yeah, becoming a mom where, yeah. you know, it's like, I mean, for yeah. me, that's like a very spiritual experience and like is is kind of a, a spiritual emergency at times yeah. <laughs> to be spiritually emergent or a but spiritual like, emergency. But yeah, but, who yeah. are you at that point? Yeah. And yeah. so there's like these breaks in our psyche or getting divorced or the death of a loved one or family member or um, changing a, career, losing a job, those types of like small deaths. The um, death of a yoga practice. Yeah. yeah. Our personality, right? Um, what we've identified with is me, my, and I, and a part of ourselves. And then it gets taken away or we lose it somehow, or we let go of it or try um, to let go of it or um, are forced to let go of it. And then how do you find yourself again? How do you integrate who you're becoming or who you're stepping into or what's awakening within you mm-hmm. with this past identity or with this, this gap of, I don't know who I am anymore. Yeah. I think it's, I think those tools really work well for those types of things too. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be a, a huge, um, you know, spiritual awakening that we're talking about. I think these are very common experiences that, everyone has at some stage in their life, whether 
it's you know mystical or not it's just like a like a an abyss or a a space of feeling like they don't know who they are anymore and and yeah. who am i and what does this all mean yeah <laughs> you know, an existential crisis maybe yeah i agree exactly yeah so i think those tools are really helpful and and powerful ways to kind of connect back to yourself, like you're saying, like grounding things, connecting to the senses, the writing, the, you know, looking at art, music, like Mm -hmm. just integrating back into an identity in a way. Yeah. I also took horse riding lessons because I used to ride horse when I was a teenager and child. So that was also really ground. Riding horse is really grounding. Yeah. 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 I was, I was thinking on uh, this kind of um, of the conversation that we had with Emma and uh, Dr. Brogdon and and the kind of panicked uh, emergency that I was having when I was a young person and thinking about, like you said, what what helped and what was working. Um, I kind of um, uh, I stopped tr- trying to have like. Um, new relationships, mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of a bit of a social butterfly and hooking up a lot and, you know, and, you know, meeting people, but I kind of just like, pulled back from that. I did, a, I did a manual labor job that I really liked and it just uh, felt very kind of grounding just to use my hands doing stuff. Yeah. And then I, I would still have kind of, um, I would have panic attacks when I would fall asleep every night um, cause it was always kind of right there, the, 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 the kind of psychic break I was having. And then I found myself doing breathing exercises kind mm. of intuitively. And that was a, extraordinary to, you know, for months on end, just every night having to do a, a kind of, um, a made up pranayama practice to get myself to calm so that I could sleep. And it became a kind of of habit that when I would start to panic in any, any moment or in any situation, just to remember to, okay, breathe, you're kind of getting a little unsettled. Mm-hmm. And I, I even saw that once in, in the Ashtanga yoga teacher, Richard Freeman, I saw him kind of pick up his energy a little bit and then immediately bring himself down with his breath and bring his voice back down. I was like, oh yeah, I recognize that. That's yeah, the, the getting a little untethered, and so you pull yourself back with the with some kind of grounding exercise, as you said. And you, and it's interesting that all of your grounding exercises seem tied to a kind of um, idyllic youth. Mm. <laughs> I, I I tied mm. them to creativity, so oh, <laughs> maybe your idyllic youth is very creative. <laughs> Yeah, the horseback riding, the things that she used to do as a child. Yeah, but maybe it's about connecting back into the things that used to bring you joy more than, I mean. We're asking her. I know, but Mm. I'm just. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think it was, um, yeah, definitely connecting back into the things that bring me joy, like Harmony said. Um, Connecting back into um, the the feeling uh, the vibration i think of the mm. the groundedness because uh, all of those things that i d- just intuitively 
was drawn to, I um, were really, really helpful. And then when I learned about uh, more of this, you know, studying with uh, Dr. Bragdon and studying with Bonnie Greenwell about the different um, ways that we can ground when our energy is in this, um, yeah, bioenergy release, then um, I read that these are things that are very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that's so interesting how we, uh, we, if we just, you know, I'd listen to what I, I needed and then I did what I needed. And I was in a space where I could do that and take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And they were naturally the things that were, were helpful also. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's beautiful. Like mm-hmm. I think I, I often, I, I agree with that, that when we tune in and, if you're really like listening, like, what do I need now? Mm-hmm. And you can be in that open space and just really like, listen and then respond. I think, you know, that inner knowing is always trying to guide us mm-hmm. back to wholeness and back to balance and back to integration. Yeah, definitely. I also thought it was interesting because my yoga practice changed uh, around that time. Um from this like really wanting you know um really like like this wanting to perfect asana to just letting that go and releasing (laughs) these ideas that somehow got into my head about what an ashtanga practice is like uh so my ashtanga practice is very different i still do the series but i don't perhaps do the vinyasa and maybe I don't mm-hmm. do the whole series. Like maybe I do. Mm-hmm. I it And that's one of the things that I really appreciate from the two of you that you talk about in the podcast, because it's really refreshing to hear that, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. It's, I feel like with Ashtanga practitioners in particular, it's a heavy weight mm-hmm. <laughs> that we seem to, bear and carry this Put on ourselves. yeah this expectation and it it i think it brings a lot of baggage with it of perfectionism of achievement of success driven of being loved and accepted and appreciated for our skills or our abilities or mm-hmm. you know it's I, I think it it comes yeah. from a deep wound, and mm. unfortunately, I don't think the practice addresses this wound. I think it just puts a band. Yeah, it either exacerbates <laughs> it or or it puts a band aid over it for a while. Mm-hmm. As, as Richard says, it's it's a it's the perf- it's the perfect vehicle for a perfectionist to practice masochism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and 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 I think that sometimes it does take those spiritual emergencies or other types of emergencies to really like go into the deeper wound Mm -hmm. and go into that deeper space within yourself that needs the healing. Mm -hmm. And that might involve letting go of the practice for some time, or it Mm -hmm. might involve releasing the attachment to asanas and, and also looking at what we Why? were using the asana practice for. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not easy. 
and it's painful often, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it sometimes it's exactly the medicine we need, right? And I'm I'm yeah. I'm appreciate that you say that because um I think the Ashtanga practice can be healing, mm-hmm. but I think it can also be used um in a way that gives us a false sense of being healed. <laughs> <laughs> That's well put. <laughs> I, I wonder if I, if I could ask you to to kind of set this up without without uh, you know like using proper names or anything like that. Yeah, you're you're living in in Norway. You have three children and a, a happy husband, and um, you decide I think to go on a trip to do a, a yoga course. Mm-hmm. And I was it in India? Was it in Europe? I'm not sure. It was in Europe. Okay, it was in Europe. And so you go to Europe to do this yoga course. And you're there and you're doing a lot of chanting, which and which is musical and shouldn't be so different for you. And the, it's all day chanting. And then you started to say you felt a kind of outside of yourself kind of experience. Yeah. I wonder if you could describe that a bit more. Yeah, I can. I started to feel like I remember just switching from one activity to the next. I started to feel a bit disoriented to like, oh, we're not going to do that now. Like I thought we were going to do the yoga practice. And then that's Mm -hmm. when I started to really, um, I I felt a shift inside of me. And then I also uh, started to feel this energy, uh, this uncomfortableness in my pelvis area and in my um yeah this is this like this uh, this churning of something in my the lower chakras the you know okay. the mulahara chakra and the swadhisthana chakra mm-hmm. and um and then i also you know everything just seemed so heightened like my senses were heightened colors were brighter um tastes were brighter uh, or tastier or you know um um i started to see that or metaphors and symbols started to make suddenly starting to make more meaning um mm-hmm. and i thought that was kind of interesting um and yeah and then you also said at the time that you you I think you felt, and I, you said this in your bio. Forgive mm-hmm. me, that even though you were you were married and had children and should have been, um, I think I don't remember the word you used, but safe, mm-hmm. you started to feel that the teacher there was creating an unsafe situation for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, were you being, you know, physically harassed? Is that what you mean? No, it was not physical. It was um, it was psychological. It was gaslighting and seduction mm. and manipulation, um, mm. and the teacher wanting to be near me uh, or to be in my inviting me to you know making me feel special that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, my family was with me the first, it was a two week training. My family was with me the first week and, and then they left. And then I was, I felt extremely vulnerable because I didn't yeah. have my anchor with me anymore. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I started to really understand what was going on then. 
Uh, and then I decided yeah. that I had to leave. And at that time that I left, I left the tree training early, but I was already in a state of panic. I was, I panicked because I realized, yeah. right. I felt, I felt in, I wasn't safe. Yeah. 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 And so you're, you're kind yeah. of in a, a, a paranoid state though, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean you're not being her, you know, harassed and but you're in a kind of paranoid panic state and now you're having to travel to get home and then you go home and you're still in this kind of state a little bit and your family's noticing that you're not quite right is mm-hmm. that what you said yeah i'm very familiar with this sensation are you like i've had oh yeah i've had this um situation where i've gone back home and Nobody knows what's wrong with me, and I'm trying to hide it. But people are like, "You don't seem right." Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, that's something very, very familiar to me. Yeah. And so, how are you managing this? These interactions with children and, and your husband are you, are you trying to talk about it? Or are you just trying to hide it? What are you What are you doing now? I I wasn't myself, so um, my husband was trying to moderate the situation and mm-hmm. keeping me yeah so yeah I, I couldn't I couldn't hide it because it, I wasn't myself mm-hmm. I don't know what to say I don't know how to explain it um, I mm-hmm. uh, for the average person it would sound like I would I flipped it but you know yeah, sure. <laughs> like you flipped it yeah. Were but, you were was it like more a, a static or was it more like depressive because I think it can kind of go both ways, back right? And forth. It was all okay. back and forth. Yeah. Like uh, experiencing this um uh, this feeling of oneness and connection and then feeling afraid and fearful. Um Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. And normally you would have like a a guru or a spiritual guide, you know, walking you through and keeping you safe in this experience. Mm-hmm. That was absentee. Mm-hmm. And so for how long were you, were you in this kind of state, in between state, in between state <laughs> um, before you, before you, you got help and found help and found a way out? Uh, for a long time, actually, for the most intense part was, you know, maybe three weeks. Uh, and then um, the, uh, things started to settle down. Like It was also mm-hmm. a very, <clears throat> you know, from what I've studied and learned about the chakras and the psyche and when there's a release of energy um, and there's a clearing uh, with uh, blockages in these psychic centers uh, in the body, uh, and particularly a lot of people have a lot of blockages in their lower chakras. Um, and, yeah. and it could be trauma, sexual trauma. It could be a feeling of not being safe that, you know, all of this stuff comes up. So all of this stuff started to come up like a video in front of me, like, um, like of all of like, tr- in, in a linear way of experiences that I had now in this life. And if the person believes in past lives, like I do uh, things that maybe happened in a past life, 
um, I think so it, it was a lot of trauma that was coming up a lot of mm. things that <clears throat> that I had you know not processed that I thought I had processed in my mind uh, in my head psychologically but it was stored in the body and this goes back to to like yeah. the body mind connection like I think I truly I truly believe that because I had this experience so I use myself as a guinea pig that the trauma and all of our experiences are in the, they get connected or stuck in the body and if we're not moving the body which yoga does it opens everything up it releases things the chanting does the vibration turn you know changing the vibration the emotion mm -hmm. the pranayama uh, meditation all of this all of this uh, opens up the body energetically in a very sub subtle way, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and if a person, and I, I don't know, I, when this was never talked about in the teacher trainings that I had, uh, and I, I wish that <laughs> it was. You know, I wish yeah. that I would have known about this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but maybe it's not talked about because it would scare people. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But then who, but you know yeah. what yoga teacher knows what to do with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's mm -hmm. also something that as yoga teachers, we're not really trained to facilitate, you know, a trauma-informed space or, or even an emergent space, or mm -hmm. we're not trained to, to even identify the difference between, um, what might be trauma versus what is somebody just releasing emotion, mm -hmm. right? These are kind mm -hmm. of subtle differences that unless you do training outside of, you know, your standard yoga teacher training, mm -hmm. you're maybe not going to understand as a teacher or even be aware of. And like you say, it's, it's kind of important because we are doing practices and using tools and techniques that are, you know, changing our nervous system that are releasing energy that are mm -hmm. opening, you know, energetic channels in the body that are all also related to our psyche and our mind. And, mm -hmm. and it's, yeah, it's kind of a, an important aspect of the yoga practice that, I mean, maybe that is why, you know, there is kind of a, a little bit of a danger in a way to playing with these practices in the ways that we do because it's you know you really do need to be in a place that feels safe and held to have these releases and these openings and and be able to um integrate them as yeah. you're saying yeah, yeah. exactly yeah I'm, I'm thinking i'm thinking about i mean a couple of different guys in the states like Keith Raniere or uh Andrew Cohen, you know, guys who yeah. who themselves, you know, are just Sociopath. creating sociopaths who are creating kundalini experiences for others and then um, like sharks diving in and taking advantage of the people who have them and it's it's um it's just so frightening thinking about how vulnerable we are in these situations and how ill-equipped we are for managing people who are who are having them and mm -hmm. and that's why that's why that conversation with dr brogdon was so revelatory is that there's like a whole culture of support in brazil <laughs> forgive me for saying this this is really racist of all places 
was like <laughs> Brazil of all places has a. It like, could have been anywhere. You would have said like that. no. I mean like <laughs> Brazil. You know, and like you know, carnival and spiritual emergence well, is like it okay. makes sense. They're like connected deeply to spiritual Catholic- realms. Catholicism. You know, and it's like. <laughs> And yet, there the there are structures in place for how, for if for learning how to manage it. I just think it's incredible, and I'm still fascinated by the the training. And it really is amazing. I, I want to. I just wanted to say that as an aside, just how. <laughs> but but bringing it back to you, um, you're now deeply passionate about doing this kind of work, being a spiritual emergence coach, but you're also uh, an, an architect. You're, um, you've, you, you've created a yoga school. You have uh, a, an online business, I think. <laughs> you, you have, you've got three kids. And three children. <laughs> and, and a husband. And a husband, yeah. You describe yourself as a multi-passionate entrepreneur and all after what happened to me, all I wanted to do was go into a cave and just be alone and <laughs> for, you know, just paint and do yoga and keep people away from me. Uh, I, it's amazing to me wh- how high functioning you are. <laughs> <laughs> she integrated. You integrated. She, she's the example um, of the work. <laughs> I still don't like talking to people. <laughs> I was in a cave for a while. Yeah. And I'm very, you know, um, yeah, I'm doing all these, these things, but none of it's like, except for my interior architecture business is full time at the moment. Mm. So it kind of goes in, uh, in, in, in kind of waves, I guess. Um, but I, I do have to take care of myself. Uh, otherwise I, um, I can feel when I don't. I can feel it in my body. Like if I'm not doing um, the best day for me is set up. If I get up at five o'clock, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect, and I I do this every single day of the week, but I'm just saying that that if I really want to have the best day, then I get up at five o'clock and I meditate and I do yoga practice and I do some pranayama and I have that time for myself. I carve it out for myself. And then, and then, you know, in a school, the school year, then I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Like I'm good. Like I'm good inside myself. Like I'm pretty good. But when I don't do that, I, I, I don't feel, I just, I feel off. And, mm-hmm. and then I get stuck in my, my head. Like, is like, um, you know, the mind chatter gets stronger if I'm not centered mm-hmm. in my body. Uh, yeah. Maybe you, maybe you can relate. I don't know, but um, if I don't wake up at eight o'clock, <laughs> then I don't. I don't feel right in my body or my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mm. <laughs> After waking up at two thirty in the morning for like fifteen years, I was twenty years, whatever it was. Wow, that's thirty years of Ashtanga yoga. You decided like, to sleep now. But like fifteen, <laughs> at least a good solid fifteen of it was two thirty in the morning. You're catching up. Like now, like eight o'clock, wow. if, and it just feels so right. Yeah, <laughs> you deserve that, Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Enjoy. Thank you for that. Yeah. I really appreciate feeling, you know, be, what do you, um, 
um, recognized. Recognized. Yeah, that's nice. Affirmed. Affirmed. That's yeah. what I was looking at. I really feel the affirmation. <laughs> but you, but you, I hear you say this all the time. It's like, I've got to get up. It's five o'clock. My whole day is fucked if I don't get up at 5 a.m. It's like, don't, don't wake me up on the way out. Like, mm. oh, I agree. I, I definitely, those days when I have that time for myself are the, definitely the best days it's funny though because i feel like i want about four or five hours of time to myself so it's a real it's a real uh dilemma i can relate i'm like okay how am i gonna do this how did how did the two of you you meet by the way were you we first met when you came into b school you were doing you were an interior architect and then you joined b school Mm -hmm. to i think enhance you also had your yoga school at the time but you wanted to like increase the offerings and change the offerings and it was during covid too so everything Mm -hmm. was going online as well right right? i thought susan was like your yoga student or something We've also worked together in a yoga capacity as well. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So what was that experience like for you? Did what was the transformation that happened when you came into B school and and left B school or continued (laughs) working the B school path? Yeah. Well yeah, I've taken it many times because once you're you're a lifetime student you know, member. So Yeah, you get um, it for life, which is amazing. Which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mentoring, the master class, you had a master class. Yeah. And yeah. Um, because I've been following your yoga path and you've been a really big yeah. inspiration in my life, um, I thought, oh, I want to do this, you know, yeah. um, with you. And so <clears throat> I did this because I also wanted to, yeah, increase online offerings and get things going. I'm still working on it. But it was, I, I thought that it was really um educational i learned a lot to the whole yeah. b school and then also being in the mastermind group with you was great because it was a really good networking opportunity yeah. and i'm still in yeah, touch with people some of the people that i was um in the yeah. group with um and and also the the practices and the guidance and the mentoring that you gave was was great so mm-hmm. i yeah it was i loved it yeah Good. Mm, I'm so glad. It was so nice to hear that. Yeah. And I think there's something too that as yoga teachers, it's kind of a lonely road. Like you're building a business and you're not necessarily like a business person. I mean, and you even had experience because you had already built a business as an Mm -hmm. architect in a different language than English in Norwegian Mm -hmm. and English, which is incredible. (laughs) I have to remind myself of that at times. Yeah, no. So you had like a whole history of of business experience, but I think like like with myself and and maybe you can relate that when you built your business, it was just sort of like more out of necessity and out of sort of like responding to whatever needs you were seeing. And yeah. there wasn't like the intentional conscious sort of thought put into what you're offering who are you offering it to what you know like being really specific about mm-hmm. some of those things definitely and also um you know as i, I with from i got that from marie forleo a multi-passionate entrepreneur yeah. right and i loved right. it i love it uh, because it's so yeah. true uh i i feel like but i also learned in b school that one thing at a time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we have to focus 
at the same time that we have other like we have to focus on what we're doing at that one one offering one thing at a time which is like kind of like yoga too yeah it is (laughs) i know i think the yoga sets us up really well then we just have to add in like the business components yeah (laughs) because it is a business it is a business you're a sing you're a single purveyor um i remember harmony asked me once about who my uh, ideal client ideal one. avatar ideal client avatar ICA <laughs> was and I said well it's it's you know late middle-aged art professors and she said do they buy paintings from you I said no of course not it's <laughs> like oh then my ICA is wrong and my whole way of well, no, working. Your ICA could be right, but then you need to somehow figure out what kind of paintings they buy. No, they don't buy paintings. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. They don't yeah. buy paintings. So the paintings aren't right. And then fundamentally, I'm in a crisis now. But the change the ICA. Yeah. That's the, what I said. But if I, if I turn Harmony's mom into my ICA, then I got to make paintings that suit her. And then everything changes everything's wrong at that point. So I got to figure that part out. Yeah. You're still working on that. It's been a few years. (laughs) It's not easy to figure that out. It takes a lot of trial and error, doesn't it? Yeah. And also for each offering, you can have a different ideal client or a different ideal client avatar. Like, And you might have like profound Mm -hmm. emotional reactions to these choices Mm -hmm. that are, you know, me make spiral into crisis as, I'm, as i'm as i am and but, i think also as you grow your business changes too yeah. and what you want to focus on also changes and so then you kind of have to redo a lot of the the work that maybe you did before which again is kind of like our yoga practice where you have to kind of keep getting up and going over the same ground again and again and again and each time it's a little different it's mm-hmm. changing, evolving. Yeah. It's yeah. evolving. Yeah. And so as you're evolving, yeah. <laughs> that was a good lead segue. Is it? What's, yeah. What are you segueing to? Well, what's next for you? What's, oh, yeah. yeah. You have your yoga school where you're, I think you're still teaching classes and do you still have your teacher training program that you are doing? I do. I have my yoga school. I did, um, uh, we had, Let's see, in 2021, 22, I graduated six students because the idea nice. with the yoga school was that from my personal experience that I've always traveled to gain experience and I thought it would make it easier and also safer to, mm-hmm. and to create yeah. community to take trainings mm-hmm. where you are um, yeah. and create community. So that's, that's, that's the basis for why I started the, the yoga school. Um, and then I have, um, I, ha- I don't have a teacher training coming up and right now this fall, but, um, perhaps I've had a couple of people that are interested, but I have, um, a program cause I also have a certificate as, as a menopause yoga teacher. Amazing. Um, so I have you're like 20, <laughs> what the, f- that's we already early. Established this. That's really early. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's kind of you, Russell. <laughs> I think it's the backlighting. 
Maybe it is. But in North Dakota, they have children young. Yeah. Mm. Not, that, not that young. Not that young. Mm. Uh, and but, so you have a, uh, is it an intensive that you're doing or a, like a Yeah, an immersion. It's an immersion Mm -hmm. called Awaken, which is, I just came back recently from a trip in Italy where I held a a, a retreat with a a friend of mine who has a small Italian um, travel agency. So her and I took a group of women to the Adriatic coast in Italy. And it was the whole idea was to create light and fun and joy in your life. Mm. And so we had so much fun and I just came back feeling inspired. And I, you know, I think we need to have more joy in our lives and and Mm. do things that feel light and joyful. And so um, my, my ideal client is women in menopause. (laughs) Yes, yeah. There's a lot of us. Yeah. And uh, just using my my integration process through menopause, um, tools of yoga and journaling and um, meditation uh, to create more of a lightness, a lighter vibration so that we can – menopause is always talked about as being so heavy and And Mm -hmm. I don't – I think that if we change the way we think about it as, as kind of an awakening or a second spring, then we can feel better about it as women going through it. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's why I wanted to uh, do this immersion. Um, And I'm still in the process of working on that. And then I'm going to be offering a spiritual emergence peer support group in September um, online. Mm-hmm. Um, where people, but it will be donation based. And so, um, uh, I don't have all of the information out yet on my website. I'm updating my website, but uh, as a way to help others and give back and hmm. take, uh, take the stigma away from, from it. A lot yeah. of people feel alone and, you know, a lot of times it's pathologized and it doesn't yeah. have to be. So, yeah. Yeah. Your website is yogasusan.com. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone can go there and find These, uh, the spiritual emergence peer support. The, the awaken sounds really and nice. And awaken as well. I'd like to do that. Perimenopause can right. last for 10 years or longer. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. You could keep offering this intensive for, <laughs> we can keep coming back to it again and again. It says the yeah. waiting list is for 12 women. What is it for the, for men? How many? There's no men how in many the spots? list. <laughs> what? How, how many? No, no, seriously. How many spots for men? Um, when you get a uterus, you can join. <laughs> when you start having babies. Well, I'm yeah. going to fucking Google that then and I'll, t- I'll get back to you. Okay. I'm sure there's some augmentation you can do. There. Yeah. Oh, my. Well, well, this podcast was brought to us today by uh, Vossevangen. And uh, Vossal is a type of Norwegian farmhouse ale. And so I hope that when you're having your awakening in Norway with Susan, that you uh, enjoy Vossal. And uh, 
I think it's actually, I don't think it's Vos. I think Vosavangen is the town and Vosau is the actual beer. Yeah. So I've, we may have to send that money back. But, um, <laughs> but this has been, I really All appreciate $25. the time that you spent with us. It's been yeah, really lovely. It's so nice to connect with you. And thank you for sharing your story with us and all of your insights and wisdom and I'm sure it will help others too, which is really important because I think, like you said, people feel alone and also it does get pathologized and it doesn't have to be something that feels scary or yeah, maybe also people are just feeling like, I don't know, something's happening and I don't know what it is. And that is also a good person to look you up and have a chat. Find resources. Yeah. I just thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking Heart